My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and today we are going to have Baptism Sunday. Um, so if, Woo! yes, um, so just what I want to do, in, um, and I know every time a preacher says he's going to preach short, it rarely happens, but for goodness sake, we're going to today. So my whole premise this morning, what I want to do in the next 15 to 20 minutes is explain what baptism is. Because there's a likelihood that you may have looked at baptism incorrectly. I did before I met Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I looked at baptism as a ticket that needed to be punched to enter into heaven. And so what I want to do in the next 15 minutes is talk about why this is important. Why are we even doing this? Why is it a big deal, which it is a big deal, for us to get wet in front of other people? And I want to explain to the best of my ability in a short amount of time what that is. So that, and let me just tell you my end game. Um, if, if you feel so inspired, uh, at the end of service, you came here not planning to get baptized, but in the, during the service, you're like, man, I have, I need to walk in obedience to do that. We do have some towels and extra shirts and underwear and t-shirts. Yeah, you know, you don't want to get unused. They're brand new in the pack. You can see them come out of the package like uh, brand new, brand new, high class, best Walmart has to offer. And um, if that finds you in that place, um, you're welcome to participate in baptism with us today. Um, just to not to throw Megan under the bus. Is she still in here? She's not. OK, so I can say whatever. Um, so a couple of years ago, we had baptism um, in our Sunday service and we had people that were planned to. And uh, at the end of service, um, we made the same offer. And Megan was actually up front. Megan's the one that was leading worship for us today in the middle. Um, and so in the we went back up there started playing and she just she kind of walks off and I'm like oh I hope she's okay and a few minutes later she comes up um it was the clothes that we had and got baptized that morning and her story was that she had grown up and gotten baptized as a infant but never got baptized as a believer and it kind of time had passed and time had passed and she was thinking oh you know this you know oh you know I still love Jesus but God over the years had been really on her to walk in faith to be obedient to what God had called her to do and so she did that in that moment not because she she didn't desire to in the morning but like she didn't plan for it, um, but the Holy Spirit did something in her that day, and she walked in obedience to baptism. So at the end of service, if you feel like you need to also do that, we make that available. Um, but so let's get started. We have three people today that are getting baptized that are saying yes to Jesus. That's what this morning about. So what what is baptism? Christian baptism illustrates a in that dramatic style, the death burial and resurrection of Christ. At the same time, it also illustrates our death to sin and our new life in Christ. As a uh, sinner confesses, confesses the Lord Jesus, he dies to sin, Romans six eleven, and his raised to a brand new life, Colossians two twelve. being submerged into the water represents our death to sin and emerging from the water represents the cleansing and holy life that follows salvation. Romans 6, 4 puts it this way. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. 
Baptism is not just a symbolic thing. It is symbolism. It is this literally, just like we said, you're the reason why we submerge people. We take them into the death, just like Christ, just like it emerged. And you emerge into the new life. You are a new creation. Not necessarily because this is special water. Came right out of the tap. And the beauty of this place is they have a commercial kitchen, which means they have hot Water. So, I mean, it's going to be a little chilly, but, you know, you're not even going to have to suffer that much to that. But it is a symbolism, but it's also a mark of obedience. It is a mark of obedience for us to walk in the life that Christ asked it to. Our, our life in Christ is marked to dying to self and living in obedience in our or not in our, but to our new Savior King. The truth is our happiness, which I don't like that word necessarily, but I, I put it because we understand it, or at least think we do, slash joy, which I think is a better term for happiness, is tied directly to our obedience to our new King. And you may like, oh, is it? Have you walked in um, into an area of your life? Have you done something that you knew you shouldn't have and, and you did it anyway? And, and then after that, your joy is, is, is gone and you feel bad and, and maybe there's shame and guilt associated to that. God in his divine glory knows what we need. And he gives us this picture of life with him that is us walking in obedience. And in obedience is where we're going to find our greatest joy. That does not mean that in obedience your life will be easy. It does not mean that if you do all the right things that everything is going to be okay. Meaning, you know, you'll never have an illness. You'll never, um, you know, struggle. You'll never lose a job. It, it isn't like if I do all the right things, God is going to take care of me. It means that in that moment, God is still there. One of my best friends um, this past week, an uh, accountability partner of mine for the last like 14 years, still calls me almost every Thursday um, to chat, um, had emergency surgery on Monday. He's 44, 45 years old, in great health, um, eats well and all those things. And he had a, a, a stomach pain, went in, thought they could, um, I'm going to try to say the word, and Leslie, you can help me, diverticulitis, diverticulitis. And he had a, a bowel uh, rupture and leaked into his stomach cavity. They had to do emergency service to remove uh, surgery. We had to remove a third of his colon. I mean, it is tough. I mean, he's going to have a colostomy bag for the next three to six months. I mean, his, his life is going to be completely altered. And Joey, in my opinion, this is my opinion, uh, is a better man than me. So do we look at that, especially after Alan's message last week, if you were here, um, I apologize. Our recording did not work, so it did not make it on the web, which I apologize for that because it was a great message on righteous suffering. But I say all that to say that just because you walk in obedience doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and there's not going to be any suffering. It just means that in the suffering, you still have King Jesus. In the suffering, you still have eternity. In the suffering, you still have a God who is in control. So let's look at this directly. So if it is symbolic, 
And it is an act of obedience. Why is it so? Let me let me just start here. We we worship a savior that put on flesh, which we're going to talk about leading up to Christmas. A God who loved us so much that he saw that the rule system and the, the religious system that he had set up or had man set up wasn't working. And they needed something else. And he sends Jesus in the flesh to live the life that you could not live, will not live at your best effort. And he died the death that you deserve so that in his life, death and resurrection, we can have life. In our king, which is who we look to, we look to Jesus as our model of what we are called to be as sons and daughters. And our king was baptized. I don't know if you remember the story, but it was it was prophesied that this was going to be so. And he goes to the waters and John the Baptist, his cousin, sees him coming. And he says, oh, the one, you know, I'm not even able to untie his sandals comes and he comes to him to give. And he comes, Jesus comes to John the Baptist saying, I come to get baptized. And John the Baptist is like, "Ooh!" like he knows the deal. He understands who's who this is. And he's like, like, you should be baptizing me. And he said, no, we must because the word declares. And so he gets baptized. If you don't know the story, a dove descends. The voice cries out. This is my son who I'm well pleased. Check this out. This may wreck your brain. Well pleased before he did anything. Think about that for a minute. He wasn't well pleased because of what Jesus had done. Because at that point he hasn't done anything. Now he is the son and if you want to really warp your brain you, you can think deeper on that. But the reality is, is that God spoke over his son. And so Jesus walked in obedience to what the father asked him. And then so you, you, you fast forward to that and Jesus does all the things that he does, all the things that we read about in the Gospels. And he sets his men ready to advance the kingdom when he leaves, departs. And the last thing that he says to them, the command that he gives them, Matthew um, 28, it says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And the next thing he says is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The command that God gave his people is to walk in obedience to baptism. Your life with Christ should be and will be marked with you being less of you and more of him. And the reason why we encourage and celebrate baptism is because it is a declaration that I am no longer mine. This is no longer about me, that I am now fully and publicly a child of God, ready and willing to be his instrument for this world. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I alluded to this at the beginning. If you've been around, you've heard this. so I won't draw this out. But um, when I was 16, I was going to a Presbyterian church. Nothing against Presbyterian church. That's just where I was at. And um, went to Sunday school and youth group and all of those things. Went to church every Sunday. Sat on the same row with the family that probably for hundreds, not hundreds, but probably a 100 years have sat in that same general facility in vicinity in the church, in those wood pews. And, and if you would have asked me prior to 18 years old, I would have said, I know and love Jesus, 
Because that's what I was told to say that I know and love Jesus. And when I was turning 16, and I know this makes me sound like a morbid kid, but I really thought that I may die. <laughs> this is weird. Maybe you felt like that and we can commiserate. But I was getting ready to start driving a car and a car weighs a lot more than I do. And cars go really fast. And although all their protect, we didn't have airbags, so it was even scarier back then in the 90s. <laughs> Did we even wear seatbelts? I don't know. But I was thinking, like, if I'm if I die, because I have a higher chance now that I'm driving. I'm not trying to put fear in anybody. Okay, we trust in Jesus. Our fear isn't, you know, whatever. But I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Because if I die, I want to go to heaven. Because I'm in church and you don't want to go to hell. And, and so for me, I, I wanted to get baptized because I wanted to seal the deal, the punch card. I wanted to make sure that if that happened, if I, you know, unwittingly pull out in front of somebody or somebody pulls out in front of me and I, and I go to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I can pull out of my wallet my baptism certificate, laminated and pocket size, and go... <laughs> No problem. Just let me in. And we think of in in a lot of our religious background, we think of these things as that a punch card, a resume that we build and go, hey, God, you, you must take me in because I've done A, B and C instead of the reality of this being symbolic of what had happened in us through Christ. And that hadn't happened to me at 16. 16, I had information about Jesus, but I had no life in him. I tried to be as good of kid as I could be, but I, you know, there was no trusting in Jesus outside of the information that I have put into my brain. And so two years later, I I got introduced to the real Jesus and I, I submitted myself and gave my life to Christ and Walked into my newness of life in Christ and walked in obedience, trusting in my Lord and Savior. Didn't think anything about baptism until I was about 24 years old. And I was in a service kind of like this and they started talking about baptism follows salvation. It's not prior. So I started looking at my 16 year old baptism as me being a wet sinner Instead of me being a child of God. And so my wife and I decided that we wanted to make our commitments as adults official. Really. And so we got baptized in Pine Bluff Lake. Those from Central North Carolina. It's a real classy lake. You know, just like the underwear from Walmart are classy. But it was it was cool. It was meaningful to us because we were directly making our stand for Jesus. Not that I wasn't saved at 18. Not that baptism solidifies your salvation. Our salvation is based solely about the faith that we have in Christ. But it is obedience to the king that we have. See, baptism is not just some religious requirement. For entrance in heaven, it is your personal and public declaration that you could not save yourself and want to tell the world Jesus has the power to save and to give us life. Acts 2. Peter gets up, the guy who denied Jesus, the guy who was the utter failure. And this is why I love the Gospels, because it didn't make, it didn't polish the imperfect people. And Peter gets up after being restored and filled with the Holy Spirit and walks outside and gives a, I don't even, I would, I wish maybe there's a recording in heaven. We can check it out, but he gives a sermon of sermons and 3000 people 
say yes to King Jesus. And he said, what must we do? And he tells them, you must repent and believe and be baptized. Could you imagine? We've only got three. I mean, I'm like, I'm I'm prepared for three. I'm not prepared. I mean, could you imagine baptizing 3,000 people? There's no gym needed. It's just like... Three thousand people, because that's what happens. And there's another story a little bit later on with Philip. And Philip is walking down the road and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and said, there's someone coming by. The um, Ethiopian eunuch is going to ride by in a cart and he's reading Isaiah and he needs it explained to him. And, and so he asks him as he walks by, you know, what's going on? What are you reading? He tells him, he said, but if I just had someone that would explain it, Philip gets in the cart and he explains it. He gives him the gospel and the eunuch is like. I want to be saved. And Philip's like, oh, you should be baptized. And he goes, why not now? And they literally got out of the cart, walked down to the river, got baptized. And and I don't I'm going to picture this the way I want to picture it. Don't judge me. okay? but he is not seen again. Philip, in my mind, he could you imagine like you want to solidify your baptism? You get your person baptizing you to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you come out of the water, he disappears. Oh, like. I don't know whether he disappeared or not, but in my brain, like he said, he was not. He didn't see him again. Like that moment. Could you imagine being like, oh, I, I, I trust in this Jesus. Um, but his faithfulness, because it was something that happened. If you read Acts, that is the model that you see. People say yes to Jesus and in obedience. They walk in to baptism. So what are baptism is a pu- public declaration of three things. One, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Two, you're starting a new life in Christ. Romans 6.4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And number three, you are part of a new family. What makes us family is not where we came from, where you were born, who you were born to, how much money you have in your bank. None of those things. What makes us family is we're tied to one father. And that father is God. And our road to the father is paved for us through Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 27, it says, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ's name have clothed yourself with Christ. And that becomes our life, the model of this. And the reason why I'm excited about this today, all three of our baptism candidates are under 18. All three of our baptism candidates are making decisions publicly. And, you know, this isn't easy. I mean, I, I don't it's no easier for children than it is adults to get up here in front of because they're going to have to proclaim who they are in Christ to you. Obedience to Christ is a game changer for us. 
And so whether or not you need to be baptized today, you do need to hear this. The same obedience that these three are walking into, God is calling you into every day. To hear the voice of the Father and walk in obedience to Him. Trusting in Jesus for your salvation alone, but walking in obedience to a loving Father. Because in your obedience is where you will find your joy. And so I encourage you today, as you sit here and watch, celebrate. Like we're, we, you know, we don't have to golf clap this. When they come out of the water, we want to celebrate because this is a pivotal moment in their life. Imagine your life. Maybe you said yes to Jesus later on. Imagine if you got it early on. Imagine the heartbreak and uh, turmoil that you could be rid of in your own life if you took obedience to Christ serious when you were younger. I don't know about you, but I mean, I know I said yes to Jesus when I was 18, but there's a lot of things prior to 18 that I wish I had walked in obedience to a loving father to. And so what I want to do now is um, we're going to begin baptism. Um, We have um, Jacob and Maddie. Maddie's going to go first. And so I'm going to ask them one question when they come up here. Uh, which is, why are you getting baptized? And they're going to speak to you in the best of their ability to declare that. We're going to baptize them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to pray over them. And so uh, we, I want you not just to observe, I want you to participate. So if you're a child of God, while we're praying over each one of our baptism candidates, pray. Pray all the things that you wish someone would have prayed over you when you were young. Pray all of those things that that they would walk in obedience from this day forward. That this would be the moment of their life that it became more real than it ever has been. And as we do this, if you are called to or feel like you need to be baptized, uh, my mother-in-law, Eileen, is going, she's right here. She's going to be at the back door. We do have shorts and t-shirts, like I said, and extra towels. If that's you, then you can find her as we're starting the baptism, and then you'll come up here, and then we'll uh, include you into our baptism. Um, But as we're doing that, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this event is just an event without you. And so we ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to participate in this moment. That is, each one of your children who have already declared their faith in you get baptized Lord, I pray that you solidify in them who you are and what you desire of your children. And so, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. I I pray for those in this room that we would watch and be inspired by the obedience to your word. And, Lord, we just declare that we would have faith like children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.